When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis, got my brother Quentin with me, as always. And Q, it didn't take us long to get back to the early 2000s. Yeah. Our decade for discovering music, branching out, finding bands on our own for the first time. You know, we were teenagers, right? This album in particular, and we're talking about the White Stripes Elephant, by the way. <laughs> Sometimes we we literally will talk 10 minutes and then we will we'll realize that we hadn't even mentioned the artist or the record. So Are we just are thinking that everyone's on the same page when, when they click yeah. press play because, you know, it's in it's in the title. That's a good point, dude. I mean, if you're listening to this episode, you should know what we're talking about because it's the name of the fucking episode. Okay. But we're talking about the White Stripes Elephant, which came out in 2003, we had just got our driver's license a few months after this album came out. So, also, I just want to apologize for my voice. I feel like it's jarring. I got, dude, my allergies. Like today, my immune system just woke me up with a huge punch in the face, and it was just freaking out for no reason. Like, dude, we've been over this every year. We've been through this before. It's not a threat. It's the time of year, dude. It's bad, man. I'm, I took three different antihistamines today, and I'm still stuffy as uh, McStuffins. Stuffy McStuffins, yeah. Ah, oh, man. Anyway, sorry, everyone. You don't, you don't sound you don't sound unbearable. But um, well, I'm a bit foggy in the head, dude. So if this one's goofy, then apologies. <laughs> well, that's fine. But yeah, dude, we were just we just got our driver's license. That was when we started going hard on, uh, you know, hitting up CD Addict. Yeah, that's right. Chatting with Mark, having him point us in the right direction to new bands and the emo garage rock van. That dude, that was the jam. Yes, and this was one of the pivotal bands for the the garage rock revival, for sure. And this album in particular, especially the way that that uh, that it was put together, the way that it was recorded, um, just like screamed, you know, garage rock, right? So, and recovering elephant. Did we mention the yeah, elephant? Yeah, we did. Q, you are a little bit foggy okay. here. I can tell. <laughs> um, but yeah, 
So Jack White, at this point, it's safe to say, is a living legend, right? I mean, he no, is... No, and Jack White is the uh, the lead singer of White Stripes. Just kidding. Every, everyone knows Everybody that. knows that, yeah. Everyone knows that. Everybody knows who Jack White is. Um, he, you know, he's up there with all the other guitar greats, in my mind. I mean, honestly. Same. And, you know, when you look back at the the musicians that have come out, the guitar players that have come out in the last two decades, he's up at the top of the list, in my mind, right? I would put Josh Josh Om. Is it the Hami? Damn it! I would put Josh Hami up there as well. We've we've done an episode. If you check our Twitter feed and scroll down a little bit, you'll see uh, we've reposted some of our episodes uh, last week that were kind of metal centric uh, for just leading up to Halloween, you know. And one of them was, um, well, two of them actually was Queens of the Stone Age, and then Caius, which was Josh Hami's Hami Hami's fuck me <laughs> Josh Hami's first band. Um, that he was in. So yeah, go back and, and listen to that. But yeah, Jack White is up there. And um, his approach to blues rock, you know, his his style, like him, the way he put his mark on on blues rock is, I mean, he is he has his own his own style. You you hear Jack White, and there's nobody else it could be, right? Yeah. Even down to his like guitar tone and stuff. So anyway, so yeah, let's let's get into it here a little bit, Q. Anybody who was paying attention to anything remembers the song Seven Nation Army, right? Mega hit. It was it was everywhere, right? That bass line that the that the song starts with is like unmistakable. Is that a word? Unmistakable? Unmistakable is what I meant to say, cute. Shit, maybe I'm taking some antihistamines. I didn't realize it. <laughs> We're both foggy today. I think what and this, you know, Meg White has a lot to do with this as well. Meg White the drummer of the band it was their simplicity that made their songs so catchy and memorable in my mind and that's that that speaks to the garage rock thing right yeah but she was such a simple drummer and her beats were so like rudimentary but man were they effective you know yeah i mean dude the uh, seven nation army most of it's just her foot on that bass the pedal. bass drum yeah yeah yeah, definitely. Well, um, yeah, and of course, we're not going to get into it, but back when they first started, people were like, are they married? Are they brother, sister? Yeah. What's the dealio with these these two? Yeah, and there's even a song on this album. What is it called? It's True That We Love One Another? Oh, uh, yeah. Jack I White, love Jack, Jack White. White like a little brother. Like a little brother, yeah, yeah. That's the last track of the record. Anyway, yeah. Um, I'm just going to go to Meg White's Wikipedia page because it's going to be, I don't know, way shorter than Jack White's. No offense. Uh, I'm just going to type the word brother. There's no mention of the word brother on her Wikipedia page. That tells me that he's not her brother. All right, let's try this again here. Here we go. All right, I got it right here. She began to work at Memphis Smoke, a restaurant in downtown Royal Oak, Tennessee where she first met Jack White, a fellow high school senior from a Detroit neighborhood known as Mexican Town. And they frequented the coffee shops, local music venues, and record stores of the area. They began dating and were eventually married in 96. Well, you heard it here first, he folks. Took, now, now, get this, dude. He took her last name. Now, that's wacky because I thought I would have put money on it that the White Stripes 
was a name that they came up with. I wouldn't have guessed that that was actually that's her real last name. Her real last name that he that wow. he took. I mean, that's cool. Um, that's awesome because I mean, when you look at them, they are the two pastiest mother effers, dude, that you've ever seen. <laughs> I swear that's got to be yeah. makeup that maybe at least early on, because whenever you see Jack White, you're like, he hasn't seen sunlight in decades. Yeah. He just hasn't. All right, so um, I wanted to start the episode with there's a documentary out there came out a long time ago. Let me, let me get the date, but it's called It Might Get Loud. And this tells you how even back in 2008, so this is when it came out, 2008, Jack White was already, you know, making a name for himself and and, and essentially like a, a legend in the making, right? He was on this documentary alongside The Edge of U2 and Jimmy Page of Zeppelin. And they were just talking about, you know, their approach to how they play guitar, the sound that they would make. Jimmy talked about, you know, some of the recording sessions of the Zeppelin records. The Edge like showed off his freaking effect library, whatever the fuck you want to call it, his massive effects board. Um, and when I step on this one, it goes. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it usually when it when the Edge steps on it, almost nine times out of ten, it's going to do some sort of a delay. Yeah, wah, 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 wah. that's not delay. That's wah wah. <laughs> It's close enough. Um, but Jack White went into, you know, he talked about his his very famous guitar that he played and uh, just in general, like how he approaches like the creative process and stuff like that. So I wanted to play that clip real quick. There's so much like folklore and legend around that guitar. Yeah. Well, he kind of he kind of goes into it a little bit. So let's let him uh, let's let him uh, explain it. Q. So here it is. Jack White. This is back in 2008 uh, on the documentary. It might get loud. Technology is a big destroyer of emotion and truth. Opportunity doesn't do anything for creativity. Yeah, it makes it easier and you can get home sooner, but it doesn't make you a more creative person. And I don't worry, Lord, I'm sitting on top of the world. That's the disease you have to fight in any creative field. Ease of use. I keep it. Uh, guitars that are, you know, the neck's a little bit bent and they, it's a little bit out of tune and I want to work and battle it and conquer it and, and make it express whatever attitude I have at that moment. I, I want it to be a struggle. This is uh, my main guitar that I played uh, live for like 10 years in the White Stripes. It's a hollow piece of plastic and you got this at Montgomery Ward's department store. Sears sold Silvertones and Montgomery Ward sold Airlines. Okay, so this is a plastic body guitar bought at Montgomery Ward. So yeah, it was a nineteen sixty four JB Hutto airline, is what it was called. That uh that was made for the Montgomery Ward department store in the early sixties. It's a cool looking guitar and it's perfect for the aesthetic that they were going for, right? It's it's red and white. So now I wanna know you think that they based their aesthetic around that guitar? He's had it forever. Sure is possible. I mean because if it wasn't red and white, it certainly wouldn't have like matched everything else about everything they did back then. Yeah, dude. I mean, just look at the elephant cover. Exactly. I mean, of one of many. Like, yeah. And dude, I love Jack White's like passion for old stuff. Yeah. You know? 
Like it's like that's the world he lives in. Well, that, like, yeah, and and that's kind of what you're talking about in that clip where where you know technology doesn't really help the creative process very much. You know, and he said he likes to have to struggle with something to get it yeah. to sound the way he wants it to, and that's kind of what he's talking about. That's why he uses this old equipment because, like in his mind, it's a it's a battle and like a fight. You know what I mean to get it to to bend it to his will and whatnot. So what's cool about this guitar is that it became so popular because of Jack White. That uh, this guitar company called Eastwood uh, started making a replica around 2000. Um, oh, cool! And uh, yeah, not not an exact replica. It had like a, it, it didn't have the plastic body that the original one had. They made it out of wood, but I mean, pretty cool. So anyway, let's get into our first clip here, Q. So we haven't even really talked too much about their sound yet. Do you want to just play a song and then come back to it? Uh, yeah. It, and that's the thing. Like, I think if you know Seven Nation Army, but you might, but you're not familiar with maybe some other songs that appear on this record, you might be kind of surprised, right? Because Seven Nation Army was, I don't know, it definitely had this signature Jack White and White Stripes sound, but you know, it was more contemporary. Yeah, it wasn't very blues based. So, all right, yeah. we're gonna. Sp- it's no wonder that it that that was a the, the big single huge that made it to the radio. Yeah, huge hit. All right, so let's play let's play track two. Uh, so this this song is called Black Math. Dude, so as we were fading out there, that might be one of my favorite White Stripes moments, or maybe just Jack White moments. The way that he delivers that those lines, dude. Oh yeah, I like how the tempo slows down, right? During yeah. that bridge, uh, and then they pick it right back up and it goes into that guitar solo. And we'll play that here in a second. We'll we'll pick it back up with the guitar solo when he says mathematically turning the page, unequivocally showing my age. I'm practically center stage. Dude, I love the way he delivers those lines. Undeniably earning your wage. Well, maybe I'll put my love on ice and teach myself. Maybe that'll be nice. His cadence, though. Man. Yeah. So here's the story behind the song, Q. I've got a quote from him. 
He says, I was thinking about a time in high school when I turned my books into the math teacher and said, I refuse to learn from you anymore. <laughs> the song is about asking questions. Wow. A lot of people are taught just to regurgitate information. People don't care if you learn anymore. Opinions get trampled on. Now, the funny thing about math, though, is that, I mean, it's math. <laughs> it's math. There's no real opinions, dude. It's just, it's just, yeah, cold, hard facts. Except for maybe like, how do you long divide or whatever the fuck. Um, apparently they've changed it, Q, since we've- uh, Dude, I heard, I heard that too. Yeah, apparently they've changed it. And apparently like you and me, if we try to do it, yeah. if our nephew Jackson, who's 10 years old, said, hey, Uncle Travis, can you help me with my long division? I'd look at it and be like, I, I don't know what to fucking do anymore, dude. Now you're talking about the steps to get to the answer because surely the answer hasn't changed. Sure, the answer is the same. <laughs> I'm just saying if I yeah. wrote the way that I am used to doing it, he'd be like, are you trying to are you trying to make me flunk this? That's what he'd say. Yeah. I yeah, I remember that dude. That was a big part of it was you had to like showing the steps was part of exactly. the answer. She'd be like, What is this? Uh what is this? Two thousand? Is this two thousand three? No. And you'd be like, Yeah, it is. That's why we're listening to Elephant right now, the brand new album by the White Streams. But yeah, dude, um this line popped out at me. I, I wrote it down, but I I don't remember where I found it, but the white stripes are rocks present past and future all rolled into one yeah dude that's perfect right i love that to me that bridge in the middle that 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 breakdown in the middle where the tempo slows down and stuff and that the riff changes that almost sounds a little a little hard rock metal almost yeah grungy Uh, yeah yeah big time totally it's present it's past it's future so yeah let's let me let me talk about this real quick and then we'll play the solo um so the story behind the recording here is that it happened in a uh, this the studio called Toe Rag Studios in London, and uh, listen to this. This is badass. In defiance of digital recording techniques that had become the standard in studios, Toe Rag didn't contain any recording equipment manufactured after 1963. So everything that was used to record this this album was something that was made prior to 1963 i mean how cool is that yeah that's really cool and then in the album notes of this record it says no computers were used during the writing recording mixing or mastering of this record which is badass right so that's you know that's why you get this sound so jack white wanted to specifically explore how big they could make the sound that only two artists could create right because it was literally just him and meg yeah no bass while being limited to just eight individual tracks per song so yeah yeah, that is not a lot to work with. Really, really cool stuff, right? So anyway, let's get back into the the, the track here. Uh, we're gonna pick it up and listen to the the solo just to to hear a, a snippet. Bask in the glory of Jack White's guitar. Well, let me tell you, dude. My some of my favorite Jack White guitar work shows up in the last song that we're gonna play. So this is just a little sampling here, a little tease. So here we go. This is the guitar solo from Black Math.
man, that the tone and the distortion, just the sound of that guitar, man, it's just haunting. Yeah. And what I love about his voice, dude, his voice is clean almost like it's he, he delivers it clean, but also has this kind of this bite to it. Right. Yeah. And like frenetic almost, you know, like so he's using a guitar pedal, a whammy cue, which is funny because that's what you were kind of talking about earlier. Oh, you mean my flawless um, where the sound that you were making was, yeah, sort of whammy esque, you know, so he used a Digitech whammy WH4. And um says here, while it's most well-known for creating the rumbling faux bass parts scattered throughout the LP, so their, their, their debut LP, the pedal was also used to take the guitar to new ear-piercing heights, best heard on Black Math and the guitar solo on There's No Room For You Here. So when he, when he gets that really high-pitched sound out of a guitar, he's getting that out of a whammy pedal, which is cool. I mean, it's crazy you said it was the WH4, dude. I would have placed money that it was the WH5. <laughs> no, but yeah, dude, that's part of that signature sound is this like the ear-piercing high pitch, you know? That with the slight distortion is what makes it so like jarring almost. Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to be this guy, okay? but I don't. I, I doubt that that pedal came out before, you know, 60, 64. So, so he brought something in that was... Younger than kind of cheated a little bit here, oh, but wow. it's okay. That's all right. Um, but now you know, I just question. I question everything now. But no, that's <laughs> well. Fine. But going back to that, you but know, that's. This... Oh, but let me step back though before I. You know, I can make that joke and haha, it's fucking funny. But what I like about this is that 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 is what made Jack White. Jack White is is the decision to bring in the whammy pedal, right? Because he wouldn't get that intensity out of his guitar solo that jarring like squeal had he not brought in the whammy pedal right so i'm going to overlook the fact q that he introduced something made in the in the 80s into the studio he tainted it but that's okay <laughs> it we wouldn't have the record that we have had he not right so it's part of his arsenal too so all right so, q. so going back to that quote white stripes being rocks present past and future all rolled into one uh, so he was on Mark Maron's podcast, the WTF podcast, uh, a few years back. And Mark Maron said something along the lines of, um, you know, like, it's almost like you're you're haunted by, like, the ghosts of rock and roll's past or something like that. Mm. Um, I'm going to let Jack finish this uh, quote here. Uh, I really like what he says. So here we go. It's only, you, you seem to be haunted by the spirit of American music. That's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> it feels that way to me, too. When, when if you sit down on the piano and I play a chord, um, they're not my chords. They're not my feelings. I think there's, a, like, if you were, if you grew up, like, in an Appalachian family who played, you know, that kind of hill music, right. southern music, you 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 would all, always feel like, yeah, this is 100-year-old stuff I'm playing. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know? Right. And that's great. I didn't write this, and but nobody cares. It's right. Just, we're interested for breaking new ground right here. We're into this for the tradition of it, the respect of it all. <clears throat> and um, I feel that same way about the blues, no matter what its other contexts are, like punk rock or country or whatever else it's split up into, the thousand things it's split into. It's all the blues to me, so I'm immediately respectful to it as soon as I play the first chord. I love that, man. He's just respecting the gods of blues, you know, and... Yeah, he might just be barring these chords or whatever, but 
like it's about tradition and it's about respect for for the music for the, for rock and roll. I just, I just love it. Yeah, and you were saying that it's all blues, right? That's what you. That's yeah, what you it doesn't. Said. Yeah, if it's branching off of punk or country, or whatever, it's all it all goes back to blues. Sure. Yeah, and that's what he's all about, yeah. man. All right, here we're gonna do something different here. Uh, it's been a while since we've done a live a live clip, but we talked about this last week. Um, his SNL performance a couple weeks back, maybe three weeks back at this point. Yes, but before we do that, let's take a quick break. So yeah, if you if you caught it, uh, he played two different songs, and one of them was actually like a melody. It was a collection of songs. It was "Ball and Biscuit," "Don't Hurt Yourself," and "Jesus Is Coming Soon." The song "Don't Hurt Yourself" is actually a song he co-wrote and performed on Beyonce's Lemonade record, and then "Jesus Is Coming Soon," he just incorporated lyrics basically from this song, which is an old blind willie johnson song and nice. if you know anything about jack white like he is a he's all about the mississippi blues yeah he's a student of like of of, of blues the, right the delta blues yeah but but since ball and biscuit appeared on this record uh i thought we'd play it so we could hear and now this is a long clip so let's just listen to the first part of this and then we'll fade it out and then skip back into ball and biscuit so what you're going to hear is um i honestly couldn't even tell you what 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 don't hurt yourself sounds like, but and yeah. this version of Ball and Biscuit is very different from how you hear it on Elephant. It is, it is, but, but it's so awesome though. But it's it's great, yeah. And you get to hear him, you know, destroy the guitar. And it is worth mentioning because this is important. He is playing a guitar that Eddie Van Halen designed for him. Oh shit! Which and this was you know very close to when when Eddie passed away. So he was also paying tribute. To Eddie, which is amazing, right? So, anyway, uh, all right, Q, let's let's listen to this uh, this SNL clip, and then you know we'll get a call from uh, NBC, and then we'll be you know <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be Lauren. Yeah, excuse me, you can't play that, and I can't do Lauren Michaels, but you know that's close enough. Let's go ahead and cease and desist. It sounds like yeah, it sounds exactly like him. All right, Q.
Alright, so that was, um, I feel like that was like the first part of Ball and Biscuit, and then it yeah, it may have uh, faded into Jesus is Coming Soon. Um, it's like he incorporated the lyrics from that into like the Ball and Biscuit melody and stuff like that, which is cool. Yeah, and uh, the first, I think the first very beginning of the song was Don't Hurt Yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, dude, I just noticed for the first time hearing that just now, that the first line in Ball and Biscuit, it's quite possible that I'm your third man, girl. But it's the fact that I'm the seventh son. Third Man Records, it's all coming together now, mm. dude. <laughs> is that the label that this was put out on? Oh, Travis. Is that his label? Yeah, yeah. That's his label, dude. Oops. Um, anyway, so the guitar he's playing, I'll describe it in a second. He actually posted a picture of it. Uh, the, the, the night that he played SNL, he posted a picture and wrote up a little story about the guitar. So I'm going to read that after the guitar solo. But um, beautiful guitar, beautiful, beautiful guitar. Yeah, beautiful. Um, But I'll talk about that here in a second. So let's get back into it. And then I think he's got like another verse and then he gets into one of two guitar solos. We're going to play one. All right. So, yeah, let's get back into the into the song here. lyrics be any more topical dude yeah did he fucking change the lyrics just for that performance that's from the the uh the blind willie johnson song great disease was mighty and the people were sick everywhere it was an epidemic it floated through the air so yeah he definitely he he chose that as part of that yeah picked that song to play for for the times that we're living in but yeah uh i made a mistake you i didn't realize it until i until i watch the clip again he is not using the eddie van halen guitar for this song he used it for his performance of lazaretto which was also on you know that was the first song that he played uh on snl and that was you know that's just a jack white song right but anyway let me tell us the story about that guitar anyway because it's it's cool the fact that he number one like he had a guitar that eddie built for him like to spec or whatever um but it was an EV. So uh, Eddie had his own his own guitar line called EVH. You know, Wolfgang EVH, basically is what it was called. And um, as uh, as Jack says here on his Instagram post, I thought it could be a nice gesture 
for me to use this blue Eddie Van Halen model guitar for one of the songs tonight on SNL. The guitar was designed by Eddie with a few customizations I had added. He was very kind to me and saw to it that the guitar was made for me to my specs. I won't even insult the man's talent by trying to play one of his songs tonight. Thanks again, Eddie, for this guitar and rest in peace. So it is interesting to note, though, that during that Lazaretto performance, he did some like two finger tapping stuff. So, yeah, he, he did nod to, to him, you know, which is cool. But um, anyway. All right, Q. So let's bring it back to the White Stripes and Elephant, dude. Well, Ball and Biscuit is uh, yeah. is, is from this record. Funny thing yeah. is that we didn't really even get to him doing the chorus from Ball and Biscuit. But, you know, I wanted to play that clip because that's his performance on SNL. Basically, what it did to me, Q, was remind me just how, like, you how, how you cannot reproduce a live rock and roll show um like there's nothing that compares to it you know what i mean it just made me yeah. long for the you know the time when we can go see live music again which you know i don't know if you caught those pictures flowing around of the um of the uh damn it what's the band's name Q? uh flaming lips did you see those pictures of the uh oh yeah dude so they've been doing that for decades they have right? but they haven't had the audience oh in no. the bubbles too right so Flaming Lips, you know, they do these performances in, in these bubbles. They Each performer stands in a bubble. Well, they had a, a, a bubble concert where all the audience members were in these bubbles as well. And I was like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, that's uh, cool. I would do that. Uh, so, Trev, what was uh, – I'm just now, – now that I'm thinking about it, what was the last concert you saw? Let's reminisce for a bit. Uh, it might have been Dive. Uh, oh, nice. D-I-I-V. Um, I, think mine, I think mine was Courtney Barnett, which was – that's a good awesome, show to see, yeah. Dude. Yeah. But I miss it, man. I really miss it. Yeah. It really, it's sad, man. But I think I uh, mentioned this before, but like we had three or four shows lined up for this year that we had already bought yeah. tickets for. Now, yeah, one of them was Team Impala, and they've actually picked another, they've actually picked a date in, um, in, in 2021. So. so do you have those tickets? Like that's, those are your tickets to have? Yeah, they already they already cool. Basically, what they told us was like, oh, we're gonna reschedule it. And yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Right. And then like they actually followed up with us like recently and said, okay, the new date's been picked. It's like summer twenty twenty one or something like that. So anyway, nice something to look forward to. But yeah, I was gonna see Foles this year, dude. <sighs> yeah. Man, I'm sorry. But anyway, so just seeing Jack White tear it up on the stage, uh, just seeing him, the way that he performs, it just kind of again like it just made me like. God damn it, we got to get back to this, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Let's play our last pick, dude. Yeah, let's wrap it up here, Q. This is one of my all-time favorite White Stripe songs. Same, brother. So this song is second to last track. It's called Girl, You Have No Faith in Medicine.
determines if it will. Is the problem you're allergic to a well-familiar name? Do you have a problem with this one if the results are the same? What's in a medicine? Yes, in a medicine. Melted, Q. Dude, I know you were making guitar face during that solo. I sure was, dude. Yeah, you can't help it. But, dude, um, I love he just kind of like, I almost feel like that was a verse sung by his guitar. Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, man, I, I love it when a guitar solo does that where it's it's sort of chopped up and like, you know, there's a, there's a and, and usually what's great about it is like it builds up like each time it kind of gets more involved, I guess, like more um, complicated. Yeah. The guitar, you know, and that was one of those examples where, you know, it's just a little ditty and then like it goes back to the main kind of like riff and then it comes back and then it's another line and then it sort of builds on top of itself. Speaking of Queens of the Stone Age, um, we we played a track that does something similar on um, Song for the Dead. They do that kind of thing where it's sort of this every time like the the, the, the little guitar riff is slightly altered or it adds on it from the previous time you heard it, that kind of thing. I yeah, love it was that a little shit. <laughs> That's one of my favorite parts of uh, that interview. Uh, go back and listen to our Queen of the Stone Age episode. Uh, yeah, let, listen to Josh mimic his guitar sound. It's hilarious. Well, actually, he was mimicking the like Billy Gibbons guitar sound. Oh. Like Billy was showing him kind of this thing that he did. Yeah. Anyway, um, and yeah, man, the lyrics in the song are just a blast, man. Dude, Especially and the way that three. he sings it, man. Yes, he is such a his vocal. I mean, that's another thing. Not only is Jack White a legendary guitar player, I'd say his vocal delivery is, is also uh, part of it. You know, 
I think it's top 10 best vocalists in Dude, the rock. I may have to agree with you. Yeah, I think you're seriously, right. Seriously, man. I think you're right. Um, but yeah. Dude, my favorite line and the way he says it, dude. The verse three, both, yeah. Yeah, just strip the bark right off the tree and just hand it this way. <laughs> I guess he's awesome, saying, dude. just give me some bark off a tree. That'll work. That's what I'm using for my, um, to treat this fucking stuff he knows, dude. I just walked outside and strip it off the bark from the tree in my backyard. Well, that would explain why you're so foggy. <laughs> um, apparently, the song is about the placebo effect. And yep. here's a quote from Jack. I suppose it is just about this tongue-in-cheek take on male and female relationships when things are bothering girls about headache medicine. What? Aspirin, Tylenol, and things like that. It's like men can take anything like a sugar pill and it will make their headache go away, but there is always some sort of special care for women. It is sort of a metaphor for taking the time to care for someone, I guess. Huh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I like how you threw that in at the end. Interesting. Uh, this is about caring for somebody. It's like, it sounds like you're annoyed when your girlfriend's like, I got a, I got a headache and uh, the Tylenol's not working or something. But it's like, all right, Jack. Yeah. Good save there at the end, but Yeah, nice save. But yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> that's that's one of those things where it's like, that's funny that that's what it's about. <laughs> yeah. The the inspiration that some, that some um, songs, like the inspiration behind some songs are kind of funny when you hear them. But I, I just like the, I just think you have no faith in medicine is a is a cool line, you know, and then yeah. to turn a whole song in, into it and then it fucking destroys like that. And it's just so aggressive and like like I said, it's a song that 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 it, it's face melt uh worthy, you know. If you were to categorize songs into general categories, I feel like did it melt my face is a category, <laughs> right? And there's not too many songs that where you have to grab the mop afterward, you know, but uh, this is one of them. It always has been, dude. We were sixteen when we heard this song for the first time. Yeah, uh, this is the one around. that. Yeah, I'll never forget this song. Like yeah, the, you know, man. like this was just one of those moments that I'll never forget. Is yeah, hearing this song for the first time, the guitar solo especially, right? It's just such an it's such an interesting solo, man. I love it. You want to just play it? Let's play it again. Just solo, sure. Right, the solo. All right, so grab your mop. Um and get ready to start mopping up your face. And it's so like sporadic, but like, yeah, but like organized, calculate. Yeah, calculated, it sure. sounds so like sporadic, but calculate. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I know, know what you mean. It's just so like precise. Yeah. Um, Chaotic. Yeah. I think that describes his his guitar playing style and his vocal style yeah. too. Like chaotic. Yeah. And I, yeah. That's White Stripes in a nutshell. You know what I mean? And um, this, this album, uh, I will always remember this record. You know, I, I got to say, like, I, I, I honestly didn't really pay much attention to the Wide Stripes after this. I mean, honestly. I didn't either. I, I, I clued in, like, I you know, I listened to, um, all you know, he's got so many side projects that he's done. And I would tune in to, to them sort of here and there, you know. Um, like, what? Like, let's name it off. I mean, he's got so many side projects. The, the Raconteurs, Dead Weather, and then all of his solo stuff. 
And, you know, I always thought it was interesting that when he, I think it was dead weather, maybe that, uh, or maybe it was just his solo stuff. When he started doing his solo stuff, he noticed that he started wearing blue. It was blue and black, which, you know, I thought was a cool way to, to be like, you know, this is not the white stripes. This is me, Jack White. Yeah. No more red and white. I'm going to go blue and black, which I thought was cool. Anyway. Did you ever go back and listen to their older stuff? I think I, yeah, I think I did. Like I'm, I'm familiar with, and maybe this is just because I know it from, uh, I think it was the, uh, what was that song that was on uh, the intro to, uh, oh, Napoleon, to Napoleon Dynamite? Dynamite. Yeah. yeah. I like their stuff on uh, Distill. I think that's how you say it. Which came out in 90, or I'm sorry, 2000. There's some good stuff, but it's it's even more of that like raw, just classic blues kind of stuff. And on their uh, on their self titled from '99, dude, so there's some good stuff on there. All right, Q. As we like to say a lot, we just scratched the surface there barely. There's like 14 tracks on this record, and we played two, and then we played a mashup from that SNL uh, video. But um, let's go through the singles real quick. Just to 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 remind you of what else is on this record. Obviously, Seven Nation Army. I just don't know what to do with myself, which is a lot more laid back. Like I feel like we we brought the uh, the more intense tracks from this record. There's a lot of uh, slower songs on. Yeah, this. there's I mean, even a song know, like that that Meg sings. Acoustic. Yeah, I like that one too. I think it was in the cold, cold night. I think. Uh, there's no home for you here. It's another one. I like that song and. Um, I think that I already say hardest button to button. No, but yeah, that's another anyway. one of my favorite White Stripes songs, dude, for sure. Yeah, yeah, man. The hardest button to button. Uh oh. The record's amazing. It's it made it to. Uh, it wasn't very very low on the list, but it's on Rolling Stone's top five hundred list. I think it's like four something, but top five hundred of all time. So that's that's a big deal. Um, anyway, go back and listen to Elephant. It's probably been a long time since you have, you know, just like it was for me. Like I hadn't listened to this from start to finish in a long time. Uh, and it was great to kind of reminisce. Um, but yeah, this was a good, a good time for rock, man. Um, I feel like it was the last decade of good rock and roll that made it to some level of like mainstream attention. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. I, honestly, I feel like MTV had a lot to do with that. Like MTV was still around. MTV was still playing stuff like this. They would do Seven Nation Army. They would do the corn stuff. They would oh, do Oh yeah, man, that's right. Jimmy that's World. The same time. You know, yeah. like everybody remembers the the video for the middle, at least I do. Oh yeah. And then you would see the strokes like last night. Remember that video? So like this was the last time that that rock and roll was still somewhat in the mainstream, I feel like. And then now it's just I mean, you know, they would they would consider and you know, people might not like this uh what am i about to say but like 21 pilots and like um what's that other band dude that um imagine imagine dragons like those are considered rock bands right and like now i'm just gonna sound like an old dude well um it's not you're not alone dude i promise you that yes i'm definitely not alone but i mean that is what is considered rock that's what's going to be played on quote unquote rock radio now right Oh, but that's the thing. You play Imagine Dragons. That's like top 100 pop radio too, you know? Yeah, I can't do it, man. I cannot do it. I can't but do Imagine Dragons. I will say this, Q. 
my what you heard today. If is, you're bringing Imagine Dragons, I'm uh, no. My what you heard cue is another example of of a band that gives me hope. Okay, I want to say so. Let's transition into that. So okay, White Stripes. I think everybody knows who they are. Hopefully, you learned something new um, about about this record or about Jack White's gear or something. But uh, anyway, all right, Q. So next week we're gonna do another sidetrack. We're gonna try to keep this streak going. White where we, Stripes uh, related, where we do a, a proper sidetrack. And uh, like I was mentioning earlier, there's so much out there that we can pick from for a uh, a sidetrack on the White Stripes because we've got all of his side projects that we could choose from we've got some stuff that maybe like influences that he has because he's very like you know i mean like mark maron said dude it's kind of like you're haunted by the ghosts of the blues or whatever yeah yeah but he he um he doesn't hide it right like he doesn't like right keep that to himself like who his influences are he's very upfront about all that stuff and that's like what he said in that clip dude you know it's it's just respect for the the art or whatever respect for the ancestors yeah exactly that's why that that quote dude Let's just let's just close with that quote again because it's perfect. White stripes are what was it? The ghosts of no 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 no. Uh, <laughs> the past, the present, and future rocks rocks present, past, and future all rolled into one. Yeah, it's perfect. There's no there's no better way to say it. That is perfect. So all right, I will find the proper. I'm going to properly credit that quote. I'll find I'll find the article. I'll post it in our notes because that's okay, a great cool. line. Yeah, that is a great line. All right, Q. Uh, it's time for our what you heard segment. And I feel like it's been a while since I went first. So yeah, dude, go for it. What you been hurting, brother? So, as you know, Q, I am sort of obsessed right now with finding bands that are bringing the 90s alt-rock, grunge, post-hardcore sound uh, back, right? It is, it is coming back. In yeah. a small way. And that's what I was saying with, um, you know, this is another example of a band that kind of gives me hope that there might be, even if it never hits mainstream success, there are bands out there that are putting out music that sounds like 90s rock again. It's a grunge resurgence. And dude, I want to quote Mark when we had Mark. Mark Burke. Owner of Mad World Records. Yeah, he the, he said something that always that stuck out to me because um, I think you mentioned your love for Narrowhead to him yes and he said something along the lines of um you know yeah i mean like these grunge bands that are coming out now now we have the recording abilities you know to capture that sound that that was lacking in the 90s you know it just wasn't there you know with the studio uh quality just wasn't there for what they were going for and now they can do it properly and it just sounds amazing you know yeah and and not to mention like it, it sounds like a lot of a lot of bands from from the nineties, you know, if it wasn't, uh, Kurt Cobain, like giving you shit cause you weren't technically grunge in his mind. Um, you know, it was the fans of grunge music that were like, you're not grunge enough or you don't, you don't belong in the grunge camp. Yeah, it sounded like there was a lot of, you know, when you're in it, you don't necessarily, you know, you're not doing it. I mean, does that make sense? Like, unless you're, yeah. Yeah, now we're a couple decades removed, and now they can just kind of... Yeah, and now it's just, you're fully removed from it. You can incorporate the sound. Yeah, it's a good point. You can grab, you know what I'm saying? So, um, But what's great about these artists is that they lean in uh, so hard that, like, even the record label, like, the the album art looks like 
a 90s record. They even dress like it a lot when you look at the pictures of them. So it's like they're fully leaning into the aesthetic, which is funny because I used to make fun of this band called Temples. You know, remember Temples, right? Here. Oh, yeah, dude. I used to make fun yeah. of them because it's like they were going hard. Don't get me started on Greta Van Fleet. But like when you, <laughs> I do. you know, there's one thing to like mimic a, a nod to a decade and then it's another to like, you know, almost do it like a gimmick. Rip right? it off. Yeah. yeah to rip so it off. I'm acknowledging that I'm being sort of hypocritical here because i i like it that these guys are doing that but also the 90s look it you know it's still contemporary in a lot of ways the 90s look in general is coming back but anyway the name of the band here 10 minutes later <laughs> this band is called fake eyes and this is a brand new record came out in july of this year and um, i'm going to play a song that was actually a single that came out last year they put this out as a single uh, and then it made its way onto their um their EP here. So um, the name of the song is called Illuminate and it's from their record A Drip Is All We Know. good stuff so um taking getting back into those roots yeah and if you're those 90s roots if you're a fan of the band hum which i brought as a a, a what you heard months ago um there's an obvious obvious influence and they even talk about it um there's a quote here from the lead singer he said um when asked what quick description they'd give someone just listening for the first time he says, I would tell them the hum influence is fairly obvious, but we definitely take in a lot from various 90s emo, alt, and shoegaze bands. I also encourage anyone that smokes weed to do so when they listen to it. Ha <laughs> ha. It even has the ha ha. So he laughed at me. Anyway. Um, That's funny. So yeah, there is, if you're a fan of hum, 
you will love this band because they, like he said, they were highly influenced from him. He sings a lot like the the lead singer of Hum. Um, but yeah, um, there's not much like they haven't put out a full length yet, but there is a demo from 2018. There's Illuminate, the song I just played, which actually was a single in 2019. And then there's three songs on their EP that came out this year. So go check them out. Uh, if you'd like that, they're called Fake Eyes. If you want to desperately wish that the 90s were still around and, and new music was coming out, um, bands like this are, are doing that for you. So anyway, um, Q, it's your turn. What you've been hurting. Yeah, so last week I brought a song from the Shoegaze band peel dream magazine and uh another thing i like about spotify and can we get some money at this point please spotify if you're listening um they have like artist playlists you ever dig into those dude yeah all the time dude i brought uh i think i talked about the um the dude equip oh that's right yeah yeah it's so it's so cool dude it's so cool um so the lead singer of peel dream magazine his name is joe stevens um he has a bunch of his his own personal playlists tied to the peel dream magazine uh spotify page so his username is jt stevens 360 so this is just he's pulling it from his spotify account uh he's got i think four or five playlists and there's one playlist called silent running that is just nothing but new wave goodness dude there's you know, there's there's the classics like Kraftwerk, Depeche Mode. He's got some Smiths on there. He's got some Cure songs on here. But he also has quite a few pretty obscure artists, mostly from the 80s, early 90s. Uh, there is a band on here called The Wake. They're a UK band active in the early 80s through the 90s. Uh, and they're just a post-punk synth-pop synth kind of new wave band. Uh, the song from his playlist I'm going to play is on a record of theirs called Here Comes Everybody, which came out in 85. So this song is called Melancholy Man.
Yeah, dude, that's great, man. I love the the two minute long. Yeah, the intro. instrumental intro. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I love stumbling upon bands from the eighties or nineties or seventies. Any any decade, really. Any decade besides the the you know up to the point where finding indie artists was just a lot easier, you know, because of MySpace and Bandcamp, right? SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, finding bands that that uh, you know didn't make it to to the mainstream, um, or at least if you weren't alive back then, it probably would have been difficult for you to stumble upon them. And this seems like one of those bands, right? These are bands that you know got lost in the mix. Yeah, and those are like the then. yeah, those are the the bands that, that to me when I find him, it's like I it's like I discovered something special, you know what I mean? And then it's yeah. like, where have you been all my life, kind of thing, you know? What right? I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a great great example of uh of that that classic sound, dude, from that era, you know? Yeah. So shout out again to Joe Stevens, the leader of the Peel Dream Magazine band. For making that playlist public, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. So thanks for sharing that music with us, Joe. And that's that, my friends. All right, Q. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for us. We're going to have a sidetrack next week. And then I feel like we have a plan of, of what's next after that. Well, dude, uh, actually, shit, by the time this comes out, Halloween will have come and gone. So Yeah, happy Halloween last week, everybody. <laughs> Check it out. We just posted a our John Carpenter bonus Halloween episode. That was a lot of fun, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, we like to do... This is our second our second bonus Halloween episode, so, you know, we'll try to keep that going. But... Um, I, I got I got proper spooked, dude, with, the, with those Carpenter tunes. I'll tell you that. Did you? Yeah, man. Uh, this is my favorite time of year. I love fall. I love the weather. Um, did you finish Bly Manor yet, dude? Yeah. I haven't finished it yet. Well, then but, I can't. Um, I can't. I can't say anything. But dude, um, I'm just. I'm just waiting for something really bad to happen with that fucking Miles kid, dude. Kid is scary. How how many episodes are you in? I think I'm six episodes in. Okay. Yeah, he's proper creepy. That's for sure. But there's a dude. reason, kid. I think I'm figure. I'm starting to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, it's starting um, to it. I'll just say that I liked Haunting of Hill House better. Yeah. Yeah, that one had more scares and had one of the biggest jump scares of my entire fucking life. <laughs> uh, I'm not ashamed yeah. to say it. When she, if you've seen that show, don't I don't want to spoil it because it's such a it's such a an effective jump scare. Um, yeah, dude. That I, I don't know, want man. to even prime you for it because I mean, yeah. Um, then you'll be there. Ready. Is some some audible uh, audible screams on my end, dude. That's that what I'm saying. Like I don't often jump scares all day long. They can get me. I can I can jump all that stuff. But I often you know. It's usually not paired with a audible sound from my mouth. You know what I mean? Basically, what you're saying is, you know, we all we all use the three letters LOL quite often, but how often are we actually laughing out loud? You know? Yes. That's like with jump scares. How often did you actually jump from being scared? Not very often. Yeah. But this is one of those moments where I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right, Q. That's that. So, um... You can find us on our website, <laughs> nofillerpodcast.com, where we have all of our previous shows, obviously, and show notes for every episode. So, he was talking about, um, he was going to post an article that he was quoting from. I had a, a few sources that I pulled from. So, uh, on our show notes page for each episode, you'll see lists or um, links to any 
article that we read or pulled from. So for this one, uh, I'll post that YouTube video that had a clip from It Might Get Loud. We'll post both of the SNL uh, performances because I talked about his Lazaretto. Then you can see him play that the Eddie Van Halen guitar. And uh, anyway, and then we also put the track list. Uh, so any song that you heard today will be on that. Yeah, and let me let me say this on the record so that I uh, hold myself accountable. I will tweet a link to um, Joe Stevens' playlist that I that I got that Wake song from because it's great. There you go. Um, I'll I'll tweet a link to that and maybe I can find him on there and give him a shout out. I'm all about a good playlist, dude. It's great, dude. It's really good. It's a lot of good songs. And on one here. of my rules that I live by is that you have to shuffle a playlist. Oh yeah. Most people don't now, structure. A- I will say this, Q. That would be that would be a shame if he actually took the time to put these in the proper order, because then you're not hearing his his vision for the playlist. But it's possible, dude. He also has Yellow Magic Orchestra on here, dude. Yeah, and he's got orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Radio Waves, I know, the dude. song that we played on one of our our uh, John Hughes tunes. It is a fantastic playlist, dude. There's a lot of great stuff on here. Psychedelic Furs. Yeah, they do. There's a lot Echo of good and the stuff Men. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you. All right. Um, you think he called it silent running for shoegaze? I don't know. <laughs> silent running. That was a. Isn't that a film from the eighties? Probably. All right. Anyway. All right, Q. We got to wrap this up here. So, <laughs> uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at No Filler Podcast. Um, we're trying to be more active on there. Um, so follow us on there. We're gonna start tweeting out links to old episodes because we have a ton of episodes and if you're somebody who's just tuning in and you don't scroll through our our episode catalog you might not ever find um you know an artist that we cover that you maybe maybe enjoy you know so um we're gonna start pulling from the the vault if you will and um post episodes on twitter so we are fast approaching 150 episodes dude i feel like it's gonna come and go without us even noticing yeah probably all right. Um, also, one last thing. You can find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, that is the home to many great music-related podcasts, including our own. Um, chances are, uh, if you like our podcast, there will be one or two, maybe three, four, maybe even five other podcasts in the network uh, that you would enjoy listening to. So go over there, pantheonpodcast.com. So we have an outro song. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, Jack White was mentioning other bands that were coming up um, around the time he was coming of age in Detroit. That's where he was born and raised. Uh, and he was talking about how the garage rock scene was kind of blown up before like before White Stripe was around. Uh, and, of course, you know, as they were coming up as a band in Detroit, that's what was you know, all the rage was garage rock. He mentions a band called the Gories um, that he got major influence from. He's actually released a live album of theirs on third man records. Um, so yeah, he's a huge fan of the Gories. It shows dude. like, I mean, it, if you listen to any of their stuff, it's like, man, this is straight up like that gritty white stripes kind of blues. So I'm going to play an al- a song from the Gories album from 91 called, I know you be house rocking. <laughs> uh, the song is called Stranded. And yeah, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, as always, for listening. My name is Quentin. My name is Travis. Y'all take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 